Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Attention nerds. It's the Riley and Kimmy show. Well, hello out there. It's me, Winnie the Pooh. And don't forget to remember to stay tuned to the Riley and Kimmy show. And don't forget to remember to keep on bouncing, says Tigger. <laughs> My friend, he... Does things for me. Friend, friend, yes. I want friends like me. <laughs> the Riley and Kimmy show takes a path down to the old school of radio, the old time of radio. And, you know, we occasionally feature uh, golden age of radio things, shows of the 40s, well, actually 30s, 40s, and 50s. But we never talk about radio of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and current. Well, not that often. But this time, I have been graced with somebody from that era, the what I call the Silver Bronze Age of Broadcasting. And that is a former vice president of programming, a former consultant in broadcasting as well. And one of the, I consider one of the best program directors I ever encountered. And I actually had a chance to work with him. It took forever for him to hire me. I started trying to be uh, on his staff when I was like a teenager, and he used to let me sit in the lobby. Wouldn't, wouldn't, even, meet, wouldn't even meet with me. He'd, he'd, you would, too. And that is Keith, Keith Edwards I'm speaking to who, uh, you know, you, you, mister, were the, like, right up as high as you can get for me to, uh, to try to be like. I mean, you were the guy to uh, try to strive to be like if, if you wanted to be a program director because you just had this, uh, this you know, image about you, the way you conducted yourself, and the station that you had. I know many people who listen to the Riley and Kimmy show, because it's worldwide, don't realize this, but those who listen in central Illinois will. It was top of its game during the days of what we would call contemporary hit radio, right? It was, and uh, thank you for the comments, and I'm sorry I, I left you in the lobby. I didn't know that. You did, too. You knew you left me you, on that you lobby. You told me that. You know, you have mentioned this over the years. You've said that a few times, but I don't recall that, but... You know, I uh, I'm sorry that you sat in the lobby, but you know, I, I do thank you for your uh, for your willingness to just keep coming back. Well, you know that is we we eventually did hook up, and yes, we did work together. Well, you know that is one thing that does apply in the old days, our days, and even before, and even today, is you have to be persistent, you have to have drive, and you have to keep at it. You have to be able to yep. face rejection. If you can't face rejection, forget it. Right. You're absolutely right. You take a lot of rejection, and you know, I mean, when I got started, like you did as well, and in the, in the, I got started in radio in the, when I was in high school in Springfield in the early '70s. I mean, I would have probably paid them to let me work there. Really? And oh, well, I didn't, but I probably would have. Okay. You know, I mean, I started out answering the phones, uh, request phones for the night guy, and uh, that's how I got my first. So we're talking a small market radio station. You were that you started out at that had you actually answering the phone because. I mean, think about that. how unique that is, because we're not talking a, a station the size of something in Chicago or St. Louis or Los Angeles. We're talking small market radio. They were doing that way back then. It was a small market station in uh, actually Springfield, Illinois, my hometown. I was uh, fortunate enough to get a job there when I was 17 years old. Uh, I think I was a junior in high school, and I did. I mean, I filed records, albums in the music library. I... I came in and took a uh, request for the night jock and eventually got uh, myself a part-time air shift. And all as a teenager? All as a teenager, yeah. It doesn't happen much like that anymore. It's almost impossible, wouldn't you say, for that to happen today? Yeah, yep, yeah, I agree. I mean, I just don't think that, uh, I, first of all, I don't think people, you know, a lot of teenagers are interested in in radio as it used to be when, when you and I started. Um you know, there maybe there's a few. I'm not sure, but I, I don't see that same passion for from kids about radio in general, even. But uh, yeah, I started. You know, and well, like I said, I would have done anything, and 
eventually got a full-time, a part-time shift. And the day I graduated high school, they offered me a full-time job. Excellent. Now, we should point out this is an AM radio station. This isn't even FM. This is AM. This was back before FM was popular. The FMs, I think, uh, if there were FM stations, they were playing beautiful music. Or simulcast uh, in some cases a little bit. Simulcast, maybe the AMs, yeah. But the AMs were the big big dogs. You know, you had the big AM top 40 stations. You know, you had a lot of uh, clear uh, channel uh, uh, stations that had, uh, and I'm not talking about the company, but where they had, uh, you know, like a WLS that had a 50,000-watt signal that went from here to, you know, 10 buck 2 or wherever. Right. And our station there in Springfield didn't have that kind of signal, but it was it was the big top 40 station that everybody listened to. Your mom, your your grandparents, the kids, I mean, everybody would listen to those stations. Okay, so my question for you, I was it the local station that got you into radio, or, I mean, wanting to do it, or was it an outside influence because you were close to St. Louis, or was it Chicago radio stations that influenced you to want to be on the air? Well, back then, I do remember listening to, to uh, WLS in sh- uh, Chicago quite a bit. I was back in the music radio days of that station. And, of course, uh, KXOK in St. Louis. Um, my mom used to listen to KXOK, KMOX. Uh, I would listen even to KTZ, which was the, the R&B station at the time in St. Louis. So you, you, you basically listened to the big guys, and that kind of hooked you. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Uh, there wasn't a lot of other competition that I would listen to in Springfield at that time, but I would listen to LS was probably my favorite station. I used to listen to that station day and night. You know, I'd stay up nights listening to that station, you know, I don't know what time. I, 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 I'll tell you this, it was after 2 o'clock in the morning because I used to remember listening to Yvonne Daniels, and she came on at 2 a.m. And I, Wow, and I actually listened to Yvonne Daniels and one off the Yvonne Daniels show a couple of times. That's Did kind you? Of, yeah, it's kind of a trip there. You know, that's cool. That. Yeah, both of yeah. us. Yeah, that's kind of weird there. See, I mean, we, I knew that entire lineup. Uh, I even went to Chicago, you know, back in the days when you had to take your FCC exam. I went to the Stone Container Building, visited the, you know, sat there or stand there in the uh, in the uh, viewing room and watched the guys on the air. That was always a real thrill. I did that a couple times. Yeah, I've done that as well. That's really cool. And who, yeah. was, who was your idol? If you, I mean, was there one out there, you know, that uh, for me, it was probably John Landecker. Um, I was going to say Landecker as well. Okay. John Landecker. I still like every once in a while listening to some of his old air checks that you can find on YouTube. Okay. Uh, you know, the boogie checks, but, uh, but Landecker was probably my, the guy I liked the most. But you probably, uh, probably maybe because I got to listen to him more. I also liked Fred Winston when he was in the morning. Right. Now, I was going to say you probably have grown to become quite a bit like Larry Lujek now, considering <laughs> you're quite, you know, you're kind of a grumpy kind of guy anymore, aren't you? I uh, might be a little grumpier than you remember in the past, but, okay. uh, and I'm, I'm older, but yeah, maybe I'm a little grumpier, but you know, it happens to all of us if we're lucky enough to get older. Okay, that's true. I, I wouldn't say I'm as, as grumpy as old Uncle Larry, <laughs> but I, you know what, I, I don't think he was all that grumpy. I had to good fortune of meeting him i mean he was actually a very nice guy i think that was more of an act than anything else really and when did you meet larry lujak i met him at an nab convention i don't know maybe 15 years ago okay i'm surprised he was doing those yeah he actually made an appearance and uh landecker actually landecker also i saw at a uh, convention and i thought i'll tell you this i thought landecker was more grumpy than uh, lujak oh wow well, that kind of surprises me there yeah, but you know, I think I think John's. A, I think he's. I don't know. Maybe he was having a bad day. Okay. Now, did you ever see Lou Jack when he used to uh, during the like? I think it was like the up to about the mid seventies, maybe early seventies. He would travel all over the state of Illinois and maybe parts of Wisconsin and do dances on the weekends. Did they? Lou Jack? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, Larry Lou Jack. He did him in Bloom- really? Yeah, he did him in Bloomington uh, at least really? once, maybe twice. And I was wondering if he did Springfield ever. I never know. I don't. Uh, I don't remember ever seeing Lou Jack in Springfield. Of course, I left Springfield in 1975 and went to Peoria. So, oh, but you, I never did. I never did hear about Lou Jack doing dances. Yeah, he did. Place where I was. I think it was uh, Miller Park in Bloomington, hmm. Illinois, like 72, 73, somewhere around in there. Really? Yep. Now, so I wasn't really. I, you know what? Back in 72 and 73, I mean, I was just starting in radio and. I didn't know that guys did dances. I didn't, I really, I was just trying to get my first full-time job on the air somewhere. And I wasn't paying that close of attention to it, I guess. 
Okay, so you 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 do like in WKRP, you go moving up and down the dial, and you go to Peoria, and yep. and let's see, if I remember the the history right, and by the time period, that would probably be what WIRL. I went to WIRL in 1975. I I got a job there in uh, March of 1975, and uh, they hired me to come in and do overnights. Uh, I think they had just let their overnight guy go. I was I just turned 20 years old, and uh, I picked, just decided I was going to move to Peoria. And I left my job at uh, CVS in Springfield and just just uh, called the program director Bill McCluggage up one day, told him who I was. I went in and uh, I don't actually remember the all the details, but he told me to come over to the station. I drove up to the station on Grossenbach Road in East Peoria. And uh, met with him, and I remember he called me back a few days later and offered me a job. Now, you're still in the time period that you're playing 45s, right? Uh, when I started at WIRL in Peoria, we still had 45s. They were they were transitioning over to all carts. Okay. Which but, looked like... Uh, if I remember right, we had some carts and some some 45s in the studio. And for those who don't know, they look a cart is basically, it looks like an 8-track. I mean, that's yeah. a base, basic way to describe it. Now, right. when you started out in in, uh, in Springfield, were the commercials on cart, or did you have to play them on reel-to-reel? No, they were on cart. Okay. I was kind of curious how far in, back. In Springfield, we had at CVS, all the commercials were on cart, jingles were on cart. Uh, uh, music, I believe it was still on 45s. Okay, so you had to learn and how we to... Might have, I, we might have switched over some to cart, but I... I know commercials and jingles were on uh, cart. And so you had to learn how to cue a record and, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cue it and burn it. <laughs> a little cue burn. Sure. Get that nice hiss when you'd start it up. You know. Oh, yeah. 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 Or, yeah or, a couple seconds. Or something would bump the needle and then it would go across the, the record. Yeah. Thank You know, hopefully. I don't think that ever happened to me, actually. But, yeah. That yeah, never you happened to you? Very I don't think I ever hit a needle or the arm in it. Uh, Needle, you know, went across the record. I don't believe I ever did that. Oh, that never happened to me. No. No, no, no. of course not. No, I, I never had a girl in the studio with me, and, you know, she just happened to bump her butt against the uh, tone arm. No. Well, I, I, don't, I, <laughs> don't that, know anything of, no. I don't know anything about that, sir. No, that, that, that would have never happened. You know, I would no. have never, never done nope. that. Nope, I never had that happen either. No, I, I never would have done that either. So <laughs> those things don't happen, right? I mean, at radio uh, stations. You know no. what? The, it happened in FM, that movie, you know, but that wasn't real. That oh, wasn't yeah. Real. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That, no, yeah. Nothing real with that at all. No, not at all. <laughs> 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 but, well, I, do you want me to start asking you about your groupies? Uh, no, I'd rather you not. Well, well let's ju- let me just ask this question, okay? Yeah. Did you have them? Well, I think in this, I think in the, uh, it wasn't even this, maybe the late seventies or eighties. I mean, you probably did. Okay. You know, I mean, the, my days, you know, KZ and Peoria or uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't remember that at CVS in Springfield or any of the stations really? I worked at in Peoria before I went to KZ 93. No, no, no. That kind of surprises me because every radio station, you know, let's say pre 2000, you know, in the nineties and, and back that I was yeah. at, you had them. I don't care what, what station it was. Even if it only had one listener, you, you had groupies there. I don't um, remember that. At, I don't remember that at all at CBS in Springfield. I, I really don't. And I know we had them in Rockford at the Rockford properties that you and I were all together at. Uh, well, that was in the, you know, that was in the early nineties, you know, I mean, and there were, there were different sets. It depended on what format we're talking about. If it was the old right. station, it had its set. And then of course right. the news talk did, and you had to watch out. Oh, yeah. You had to watch out yeah. for yourself with that. And, and <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. And then of course the classic rock station as well. Right. Well, they, of course they had their, I would say they had their fans. I wouldn't call those people groupies uh-huh. not necessarily. When I think of groupies, I think of the crazies kind of. Right. You know. Okay. Uh, sure you do. You know. Yeah. You know what I mean. Uh, the ones that. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I'm supposed to keep. I should. Ge- I should have. You know what? I should have put a disclaimer on this interview. And what would that be? Uh, anything I say, I can't be held responsible for. Well, we're not trying to embarrass you here. We're you just know, trying to get. Like, prove it. <laughs> well, we're trying to get a feel of what the broadcast world was like. You know. Well, from- it was. It was actually. It was very. It was a lot different back then. I think. Then it's. 
those days are gone. You know, people are not fans of radio stations or, or people on the air like they used to be anymore. Yeah, the stations had a, a certain vibe to them. They had, a, they had what we used to call a stationality, ah. you know, which is a personality. Yes. You, your station was, your sta- it's like the people on the air had a personality. The station had a stationality. You know, it had its own personality, which a lot of times it, you know, took on the personality of the program director, but definitely the people on the air. When did it change? What caused it to change, in your opinion? I think, um, you know, and maybe maybe radio, I think, in a way, did it to themselves. Okay. It was when you started, uh, you took away the personality from radio, and you made everybody card readers. And, you know, I mean, you have to read certain, you know, promos or liners or whatever we used to call, you know, liners. But uh, I think some of the personality was taken away from radio by when it became more corporate and, you know, uh, you know, I'm not here to bash, you know, you got to make money, but, uh, I think that took away some of the personality and, and then you have corporate, uh, you know, presidents of programming who, you know, they wanted to shut down and, and, you know, I mean, I, I know of a station in St. Louis that actually had a, a timer or something on a microphone I heard about and where the, the, the announcer could only speak, speak for so many seconds or a minute or whatever it was before the mic would shut off. Whoa. So, you know, to speed the jocks up so they could be quick, uptight and bright, you know. Right. I've seen and a countdown. I, I've seen a countdown. Well, not countdown, a count up timer used on a microphone. You know, when you hit yeah. the mic switch and it would start counting up. I never seen that before. Yeah, this was a station in St. Louis. And I someone told me about that actually when I worked in St. Louis and that was in. Oh, my God, what year was that? That might, uh, when did I go to St. Louis? Like 1980, I believe. Okay. There was another station in town that they said they had a, they had a, some, some sort of a timer on the mic that it would, you could only talk for, you know, how many seconds. And if you weren't done talking, you were going to be shut off and look like an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That, that, that's something I'd, I'd love to hear an air check from that station. Yeah, me too. But I, you know, uh, I can't think of the station, but I, I, but it was just someone I worked with who's, I think they used to work at this station and they were telling me about that when I moved to St. Louis. Okay. So you're, you're saying basically corporate radio kind of did it in radio, did it in itself. And I think radio kind of did it in itself. I just don't think, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is the old grumpy side of me coming out, but I don't think radio has the same passion. It's you know itself. I don't think people that are that are that are behind the mics and running stations right now and programming radio stations, you know, I mean they're fine people. I'm sure they're doing a good job, but I don't think they have the same passion that that program directors and people on the air did in the in the 80s and 90s and 70s. You gotta throw them in as well. Yeah. Yep. You know, and I wonder, you know, maybe like in the 70s, 80s uh, time frame, 60s, 70s, 80s, actually, uh, if the old, you know. Do four and you're out the door mentality also killed it too because you had individuals who might have a very powerful voice and and you know them we've worked with them and they re, that was their crutch they they relied on that voice so much and, right. and didn't put much into show content and once that fourth hour was done they were literally done till the next day they and, were literally out the door and uh, that was probably the hardest thing I tried to figure out and adapt to when I moved to St Louis you know it was my first full time job in a major market. And that whole mentality there, you're right. I mean, people would come in. I mean, I had just moved there from uh, Peoria where, you know, you'd work if you were on the air. I mean, when I was programming there, I was on the air for, uh, you know, usually I had a two or a four hour shift. But, you know, I was there, you know, it wasn't unusual for me to do a 10, 12 hour day or more. And these guys in St. Louis, when I moved there, they would do their four hours or whatever. And you're right, they were out the door. I mean, maybe they'd do a couple of uh, commercials after they got off. They'd produce a couple spots and then gone. And it was just the, and I, I, I just, I still remember that. And it was just no feeling of, uh, of team unity or no station. You know, I was like, and I'm not saying we had to hang out and be best buddies, but these guys were in and do their show and it, they were gone. And even while they were doing their shows sometime, they had other stuff they were doing on the side that they were doing, you know, taking calls or setting up, you know, their own businesses or whatever. And right. it just didn't, it just didn't feel like it did in Peoria. Did it feel cutthroat to you? No, it, not necessarily cutthroat, but I just think they wanted to come in and do their own thing and leave. 
Okay. I wouldn't say cutthroat because they weren't. You know, I, I didn't. I didn't sense that at all. But because I did work, they in, just were into their own thing. I did work in that market. Uh, that kind, not that market, St. Louis, but in a large market. Uh, that was very cutthroat, and really? you know, yeah, and it was, the, and it, it was the four and you're out the door thing going. Uh, but there was no friendship. You could not have a friend. I mean, somebody right. would throw, they would throw you under the bus. I mean, uh, yeah. and it was because we were rated uh, continuously, except for two weeks out of the year. Um, right. Everybody was at everybody's throat in one way or right. another, and and the company put everybody against everybody. You know, it yeah. was like, you know, the night guy could be promoted to middays at the midday numbers drop, et cetera. You know, it, and it, it was not not a good, fun environment like you're talking about in Peoria. Uh, right. It, it wasn't there at all. No, these guys just would come in and, you know, it just didn't seem like, I don't know, the old saying that you can walk in this into a radio station. And I do believe this back in the day, you could walk into a station and I still think it's true today. And you can tell if they're winning or not by the vibe you get in the hallway. Right. And I didn't, you know, I didn't have that. You didn't have that sense that any, you know, they wanted to be there, they, that they were there for, they were all there for the same cause. They were all there to try to win. It, it, it was more like they were there and they were doing their own thing. And it really kind of felt like they were just all on their own little islands to themselves. Now, I know you had been offered major market positions besides the St. Louis thing, was that what kind of turned you away from going into, you know, the other, the large markets, the major markets, you know, Chicago, yeah, et cetera? Probably had something to do with that. I mean, I just, I, at that point, when I went to St. Louis, and even when I worked in Chicago at GCI part-time in the late 70s, and it was, same, it was the same way in St. Louis, or in Chicago, actually. I went to work in Chicago at GCI. I like to tell people I, I went to GCI before it got good, okay. because they they brought in a program director from WBLS in New York, which was the big, you know, urban black station. And it was a guy by the name of Paul Zarconi. And I'll never forget, I went up there for an interview. A friend of mine was by the name of Evan Luck, who I used to work with at WIRL and WWCT in Peoria. Evan was doing afternoon drive in Chicago at WGCI in 1978. He told me they had an opening in uh in Chicago, and he said, why don't you come up and talk to our new program director? He just got in last week from WBLS in New York. So I, I drove up there during the week, and, uh, and I remember I sat in the studio with Evan for probably two or three hours before the program director showed up. I think he was supposed to be there at like 10 o'clock in the morning. He finally showed up around noon or one. I mean, and he came in, and he's, a, you know, he's – He's this New York guy, which I had a hard time relating to, you know, and, you know, it's he's major market all the way. And he thinks he's, you know, he's it because he came from WBLS in New York. Okay, but, um, you know, I just, you know, he hired me right there on the spot. I took the job. I would drive to Chicago and work weekends. I'd work in uh, Peoria Monday through Friday, and then I would go to Chicago Saturday morning and work in Chicago Saturday and Sunday. How long of a drive was that back then? Oh, I don't know. A couple hours, maybe. Okay. Each way. Each way. But I would drive up to uh, Chicago, stay in a hotel, and uh, work Saturday night. I think it was like 6 to midnight. And then I did a, like a, I don't know, 3 to 8 or something on Sunday, and then drive back to Peoria and, and do my shift. I was doing afternoons at WWCT at that time. And let's see, was uh, WWCT a rock station at that time? Yes. So you you were doing two different formats. I was doing rock during the uh, during the week, and then drive up there and do what they called what they called black progressive at that time. Did you forget the call letters ever? No, no, I never did. I never did. I'd write them. And actually, at WGCI, it was pretty cool because that was a, the only station where I actually had a board op. They had they had board ops. Okay. Who were union, so you couldn't do anything. You couldn't even go in the production room and record anything without a. Uh, without an engineer going with you. Nice. So, uh, and they had, it was a WGCI and WBON was the AM. And I had a, I, 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 you know, the AM was still pretty big back then. Walt Baby Love was the program director of WBON AM. And uh, the voice of Chicago, you know. And, uh, right. Uh, uh, so I, um, I begged and begged and begged and they gave me a shift over on WBON. So I did a weekend shift over there a couple times. Wow. Okay, that shows that you had drive back then. Yeah, yeah. Which you I, uh, have, which you have to have. 
Yeah, I uh, well, you know, I I worked seven days a week there for a while, but you know, I and I I wasn't really, you know, I thought maybe that the thing in Chicago might turn into something full time, but I wasn't really all that interested in it. And eventually, I ended up going to KZ ninety three. And uh, when I went to KZ ninety three, they asked me to you know to you know to kind of focus on that and not work weekends in Chicago, and I was fine with that. Okay. By that time, I was I was tired of driving up there on weekends, and I I gave that up. And eventually, you took over KZ ninety three as program director. I took I took over the station. I started there in nineteen seventy eight. Was it the Stereo I, Z back then when you took it? It was the Stereo Z. Yes, okay. sir. Had that on our logo. <laughs> the Stereo Z. The Stereo Z. And did you have like a hippie with headphones or something as a logo? Uh, you know, I don't remember that, but you might be right. Okay. I think that my, I think that was actually before the Stereo Z. Okay. I think that might have been the. Uh, I know that. Uh, I used to call it because uh, I actually I used to have the rock after I became program director. It was Rock ninety three uh-huh. when it was uh, automated. Okay, and uh, and they had a rock, and they if I remember right, they put headphones on a. It was a big rock, and they put it on a little like a little toy truck or something, and it would that they pull it across the the screen for the TV commercial or something. <laughs> rock ninety three, and I and it had a ninety. They wrote a ninety three on this big rock. It was actually a rock and. Uh, I somebody gave that to me when I became program director of that station years later. Do you still have the rock? Uh, I no, I don't have the rock. I did, think I left it there when I quit this when I left the station. You didn't sell the rock, did you? I didn't sell the rock. No. Okay, I just just checking. Okay, you you left the rock. But, no, I went to KZ ninety three in nineteen seventy eight. I became music director pretty quick after I went there, and eventually assistant program director. And I went to St. Louis, came back to KZ. And then uh, I think it was maybe a year or so later, I became program director in 1983 or 82. And, you know, without a doubt, and it's not to make your head any bigger. You know, in my opinion, you had one of the best contemporary hit radio stations in the time period. We're talking the time period of Miami Vice. Uh, you know, club music is now gone mainstream. Uh, you got a fusion of, you know, uh, uh, different types of music. Uh, that's that's come into play here. You've gotten away from basically the country influence in pop music, mm-hmm. and it's it's really fun. It's 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 alive, and I th- and I think radio hadn't been alive for a period of time. Well, I think the FM top forties that came on the market, just like we did in Peoria, uh, because you know WIRL was still the big AM top forty at that time when you know when KZ first came on the air, and. Uh, and it wasn't very long after that that you know uh, KZ ninety three overtook it WIRL and was kind of the end of that station. You know they I mean they were still around and they were still you know a viable format and a viable station for years after that. But but we took away their top forty title and uh, you know that's when people switched over to FM. And you're right, it was a vital format. But in the in the eighties when I started programming that station, we 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 went from it was kind of a rock top forty. And at one point there, we had we had no black artist on that station. Really? Yeah. Now, is this before '84? Were we talking? This was before '84. Yeah, because in '84, you know, you had you had Michael Jackson, you know, Billy Jean, you had the right. Prince, you know, when Doves Cry. There was a lot of good music. Right. And I'm talking about this was probably uh, well, I know when I became program director in in '82, we were. The station, the program director before me had taken the station more of a rock 40 era okay. uh, in our direction. And we were playing even album cuts. I remember because while REO Speedwagon being from the area and Gary Richrath being from East Peoria, we played we played REO Speedwagon album cuts Wow! on a top 40 station. Wow. And and uh, and uh, that was, you know, that was that was like around probably late 70s, early 80s. Because KZ ninety three went through an era, I mean, where it played the country crossovers, the Eddie Rabbit type songs, sure. the Juice Newton type records, and then it started to became like a rock forty, and uh, and then when I became program director in eighty two, I was the first program director to put a jingle package on that station actually. Wow! And and it was a um, it was a TM jingle package. It was called Driving Band Screaming Vocals. Which it was, and it was a jingle package that was produced for at that time the Doubleday broadcasting stations, who were all kind of rock forty stations. Okay, 
And um, and then, you know, we became much more mainstream, like in the early 80s. But you became nationally known. I mean, your station, it won awards. You, I mean, you were what? Well, it was, it was, it won awards. It was nominated every year for station of the year and uh, whatever category that was, small or medium market. Uh-huh. I think I might have been nominated once or twice. I'm not sure. But the station was always nominated for, you know, small or medium market station of the year. And what's interesting, because of its uh, its signal, it got into many cities outside what it, you know, a typical station with a different format would not have had any impact. But that station did. It was getting 60 miles away in, in right. places and showing up in the ratings books in those markets and stuff. Yeah. Well, it was a, it was a strong 50,000 watt signal. And we had a, you know, it had a very strong signal. It had a, it had a great sound to it. You know, we had a, we had very good engineers. That station sounded very good. It sounded. I I've had uh, program director at B ninety seven in New Orleans once heard the uh, an air check of the station that a friend, uh, actually a guy on our staff, sent him an air check and and I remember the the program director at B ninety seven sent back a, a letter saying you know your station sound much bigger than it than the market. Wow. And that was always our kind of goal. I mean. We didn't want. We kind of compared ourselves to some of the mar- larger market stations, but we always wanted to sound bigger than we were than the market. We, you know, I mean, that was just the goal was to try to sound as good as you can, because you're in the hundred and whatever size market it was at that time. Doesn't mean your station has to sound like that. You know, you can, you're, you know, we wanted it to sound as professional as we could, and we, you know, we worked hard at that. And I had some good people working there at the time. And that's the key. You know, I worked as operations manager and program director eventually and you you put people around you who can who can deliver you know you, you yeah surround and they yourself. all did well, I, had, I had a very good air staff i mean you know in that 80s uh, especially you know uh, we had we had we went through a lot of people but i i would say that air staff i had there in the mid to late 80s was probably the best air staff that station had on the air ever that is pretty cool and i know some of those people and uh i happen to agree with you that uh, they were very very good yeah, they they were, they were, and you know what? I've uh, I had one person who was on the air there who did nights for me. He told me a while back, you know, probably in the last year, you know, I talked to him and he said, you know, you don't, we don't, we don't realize what we what we meant to a lot of people in that market, wow. you know, who listened to us. And um, there's actually a tributes website on Facebook for that station, and every once in a while I'll go on there and look at some of the comments. I don't even know who put that together. I, I think I, I think it was it's, my former assistant program director. Yeah. Scott Wheeler put that together. Yeah. But it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's, it's interesting to go on there and look and read some of the comments sometime. And, uh, there's, you know, I've, uh, you know, because it's kind of like what I feel about WLS in Chicago. I mean, I used to listen to that station growing up and, you know, you kind of, your whole life was kind of, you know, it wasn't everything in your life, but you did a lot of things wrapped around that radio station. And, and I know for a fact to some of the people that used to call, I mean, that station was, was it for them. Right. Exactly. Now when you, well, you left KZ 93 and went on to other things, but, and KZ 93 stayed what, you know, we're talking contemporary hit radio, but eventually Mm -hmm. did change that had Mm -hmm. to almost make you cry when that changed. Well, your baby was gone. I don't know why they did it because uh, it didn't make me cry. But I remember talking to my former general manager who worked with me there at the time, and him and I both thought, "What are they doing?" I mean, we couldn't believe they did that. There was no reason. I don't see. I still to this day don't know why they did it. I mean, if they hadn't changed formats, they would still be, you know, a number one contemporary hit station in that market probably. Wow. Because I remember I the mean, day, yeah, I remember the day they changed. Because I was programming a uh, another radio station in a, an adjacent market, and it was a big shock, you know, when they made. Yeah, I I don't know why they. I I mean, they maybe they saw something, but I don't get it to this day why you would change and go with the format they went with. There was no, there was no. I mean, it had to be all sales driven. You know, somebody says, well, we got to go after the upper demo or something, but there wasn't a reason because when I left that station and when I left uh, KZ to go to Omaha in 91, uh, the station was number one from 12 to 54. Wow. I mean, when my, uh, and my old general manager at the station who I ended up coming to Rockford to work with told me that, uh, my, I think my average book there was like an 18 or a night, you know, I, 
I was there for nine years as program director, and I think we averaged an 18 or a 19 share. Unbelievable numbers that no one can have, you know, nowadays. I mean, it's just yes. No, those those days won't happen anymore. Uh, you know, he still he still gives me crap for not getting a 20 share. And uh, I think it was the spring of 1989. We had a 19.9, but and he's like, you couldn't get a 20 share. You had a 19.9. What song should you you've played one more spin? There had to be a song you should have played one more uh, spin to get that 20 share. <laughs> I you know what I don't re- I don't I don't recall what song it would have been, but we had a I just I just know everything that book was clicking. We had a great book. Um, we we kind of did that. We had we were doing something a little different at that time. We were doing like four in a row. And, um, and it just, everything clicked that book and I, everybody knew, I mean, we, we all knew we had a vibe that everything was going to, it was going to turn out, it was going to be a special book. It was a special rating period for us. And, you know, when that night, I remember he came into the, I was on the air when the ratings came in, I was doing middays and I, and, uh, the sales manager and the, uh, our general manager came into the studio to tell me about the ratings. Now, Okay, you remember uh, like in uh, the movie FM, and they show the ratings, you know, thing, and mm-hmm. and that. What was yours, your experience like? Was it like the movie FM a little bit? I mean, uh, was there were you ever scared of those ratings? I mean, or were you pretty confident the station was doing well? You had a pretty good vibe I, and pretty good feel. What I was never scared that we were going to do bad in the ratings. Okay, even even when we had a sort of a down book. I mean, we didn't. We were always pretty strong. Okay, you know, every once I think I remember once. Uh, there was some, and we joked about it. WSWT at the time was beautiful music, and there was—I remember being it. I don't remember what year this was, but I remember they had a really good book, and we joked that, well, you know, the, a lot of the nursing homes got arbitrons. <laughs> uh, but you know, you can't—you can't control where those things go. But right. we, like I said, that station was number one tw- uh, from you know twelve to fifty-four. We had every demo. We had women. We had men. Wow. You know? It was just when I left there in '91. It was number one uh, in uh, in um, from 12 to 54. I left there in uh, it would have been April of '91. Uh, so that would have been the fall book of '90. That was my last book there, and station was number one. Fantastic. Now, one of the things that I've been talking about is focus, focus, focus. And somebody I know we both know that I would have to say is probably one of your proudest things. Of or persons of having worked with, who I think is one of the most uh, focused, is Pete McMurray. Yep. And, and I mean, I never. I mean, I've worked with so many people. He would have to be beyond a doubt the most focused broadcaster, entertainer I have ever been around. And that has to be you know something of pride for you because you know Pete actually was part of your team. At one time. Well, Pete, Pete, when I came to Rockford in 94, Pete was already here doing mornings with Linda. Pete and Linda were together in 1994, and they were, I think when I came to Rockford, nine, Rockford in 94, they were still number, I think they were already number one. But, uh, you know, that that show just continued to grow. I, you know, Pete, Linda, Pete did a great job. Yeah, he's fantastic, and he is still on the air. He's in Chicago for those who are in the area or may be curious who we're talking about. Has done WGN and just a ton of stations. I believe he's doing a morning show now somewhere new, and uh, he's just a fantastic guy. Yeah, yeah, no, he's a great talent, and he works hard. He's uh, He really works hard. He puts a lot into it, uh, and I'm sure he's doing the same thing. Now, where do you see radio? Well, Basically now and let's say five years from now. Oh boy, you know, uh, I just don't know right now where, where it's going. I mean, you might have ideas about that. I, from what I hear, you know, here where I'm at now, I don't, I don't hear a lot of, uh, you know, there's a there's a there's a contemporary hit station that does very well. I think there's a there's a lot of radio out there right now that's just not that that exciting. So you think? Do you think maybe people are going to other sources to uh, get the music I, and things like that? Oh, I think I think they are. I think they're going to other places to get music. I think there's there's so many different opportunities for them to get music now. Every you know, other at other at other other places. Um, you know, I just don't think people have the passion. I don't think listeners have the passion for radio stations and formats like they used to. Okay, because there's so many other places you can get music. You know, you can listen to music on Pandora, you know, 
on Spotify. You know, you got your, you know, you can download music. It's, I, I don't see, I don't see adults. I don't see, I don't see young adults listening to music or even teenagers like, like they used to. Okay. Now, do you think other formats like spoken word, like talk radio are in jeopardy as well down the road here? Because are they actually, I mean, there's a certain demographic that typically goes for talk radio, you know, an older adult male usually. And are they bringing anybody new in new blood or are they going to have the same kind of problem that music radio has? Do you think in the next, uh, you know, five years or so? Well, I, you know, I can only speak for myself. I mean, I like, I like some talk radio stations. I mean, I, I still like some, you know, music stations, but I just don't think when I listen to radio anymore, I, it's, it's all kind of blah. I mean, okay. it's, and that's, I'm not saying, you know, we were a whole lot better than they are, but I just don't think that, I don't think the personalities are, uh, the personality on the radio is, is as good as it was, um, I don't know. There's just things. There's some things about radio right now that I just don't care for. Okay. What there can, I go sounding like uh, an old grumpy well, man again. For those who want to know about, you know, maybe some older radio and they occasionally encounter like on antenna TV, WKRP, what's something that stands out in your mind that is actually true with radio that's on WKRP? About the time <laughs> period, about the time period when you were there uh, in radio. Uh, some of the, something that's true yeah, that stands some, out about WKRP? Yeah, that you say that is true. You know that it, you will find that at certain radio stations. Well, I think uh, you know when you you, you you talk about the personalities like you know like Doctor Johnny Fever or uh, or uh, you know Andy the the program director. Right. Or what's the other guy's name? Uh, Venus. Venus Flytrap. Yeah, you know. I mean, though there were personalities like that. Those there are absolutely personalities that were just like that. Now, did you ever work for an Art Carlson? Uh, yeah. I'm not going to ask. Way, where, I'm not going to ask where. But did you ever in work? In a for way, one? I worked for someone who was, who was, um, he was different, very different, and he he was, you know, I think he was a nice guy in his own way, but you, he didn't really let anybody get to know him. Um, I've worked for some some people, and now that I think about it, yeah, uh, in uh, St. Louis, in Peoria. Where you know you'd you'd run to the bank to make sure your check cashed. Oh, I, I've worked in radio in that that circumstance. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I worked for a station once where the owner would fly in every every other uh, week at payday and bring the checks in from you know out of town. Sure. <laughs> and also had the don't cash this till next Monday, please. Just well, you know, you know, don't cash yeah. it. Or I worked for stations where they would hold the check until five o'clock on Friday. Sure. Right. Right. So there, yeah. there is some of that, you know, from WKRP, that kind of world there. But I've worked for, with an Art Carlson before, and uh, yeah, it's not fun. That's one of the. Well, I, 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 you know, I would tell you a story, but I don't want to. No, don't. I, I don't even know if he's around anymore. Uh, but, protect uh, him. <laughs> yeah, but there was a yeah, there was a story. It would, it would uh, I probably have told you it, but it would just blow your, your mind and make your head spin, maybe. Well, why don't you save that for the book that I'm trying to get you to write? I, I'm not going to write a book. Oh come on. You can I'm read. Not gonna, you can read and it's write. It's bad enough you? putting this. It's bad enough being on your show and having this hey, go out. Hey. You want me to write it? You want me to write it down so everybody can see it? Well, you know, there's two things here. Number one, I caught something you were talking about. You mentioned that you're on Facebook, and yet you're not a friend to the Riley and Kimmy no. show. You have not. Well, I'm not on Facebook. Anymore. You mentioned you. My, oh, you just said you went to Facebook and you're looking at people's accounts. No, I went to Facebook to see the to see the <laughs> KZ93 tribute page. Uh, I went sure. there to see that, sure. but I have not. I'm going to t- you know this because you and I've talked about this over the last few years. I am not on Facebook anymore. I blew up. I deleted. I found you a way actually, online to delete. You know, you actually my, kicked me off of Twitter. I mean, I would, I deleted I deleted my Twitter off. account. You actually, I deleted my Twitter account last year, last March, about a year ago, I deleted Twitter, I deleted my Facebook account. What is I, wrong I, I with you? I went online and I found I googled how to delete, I mean, not deactivate I wanted to wipe Why? me face off off the face you? of the earth on Facebook. Are, have you given up a car? Do you uh, ride a horse and buggy with an orange triangle on the back of the buggy? Is that what's happening? <laughs> no. Have, have you, no. Have, have you went Amish? You think I live with the Amish? What? <laughs> what is, what's going no, on with you? I, I just got tired of Facebook and all that social media crap. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, maybe I am turning into Lou Jack. You see, you are. 
You old guy. I, I just have no time. I was on Facebook for probably five years, and I just fed. I just got fed up with it, and oh, I, I did. I Googled away. I found out because I figured, you know, I found out you could deactivate it. Deactivating right. Facebook was not enough for me. Oh. I wanted to wipe me everything that ever said I was on there gone, what? and I found a way to do it. You know, I think we need a feature, maybe once a week, once a month. Grumpy old Keith on the Riley well, and Kibbe show. You know what? I might fit it. I like that. If the shoe fits, wear it. But you know what? That as far as that social media crap, it's not for me anymore. Well, I think it is. I think you should come back and then friend us and like us and all that stuff. And then no, yeah, no, come on. I don't. I, I, do. I don't friend anybody on Facebook because I'm not on there. I I am eliminated. You can I am yeah, stealth. Okay. You cannot now, find me no, on Facebook. Okay. It's all gone. Now one last thing before I let you go. It was a number all of right. years ago. I mean, a long time ago. I can give you the year. I think it was 1997. Your uh, son was quite young at the time. You would not allow him to go to the brand new Star Wars movie that was coming out, Star Wars uh, Phantom Menace with Kimmy and I, you wouldn't let him see that movie way back then. Now, I'm wondering, have you changed? Have you mellowed? Have you even seen a Star Wars movie since that time period? Because you told me proudly, I have never seen that damn movie. Well, you know, I'm probably going to get in trouble with your with your uh, listeners here who listen to your show because I know there are a lot of uh, Star Wars fans out there. Yes. No, I've never seen a Star Wars movie. What in the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I have never seen. I've, I've, you know what? I've seen like portions of a movie, but I've uh -huh. never, and I've never gone to a theater to, for a Star Wars movie. No, and I'm not interested in that. It's, well, um, no, you, you know what? I am going to fly up to Rockford, Illinois, and take you to Star Wars. No, because I know they're no. going to show it again in theaters with the upcoming films are being released. You have to see Star Wars. I, you know what? I would be bored to death. No, you won't. We'll make sure of that. I would. It's just you know not, what? I'll dress up in costume. Well, I know you would. You have all of them, but it's just not something that I would be interested in doing. You know. You, you know. I, I know you got it. You got all the costumes. I've seen them. What the hell is wrong with you? I got. I got. You know. There's some of a. There's a little bit of a nerd in you because I heard you talk about back in the '60s. You actually watched Batman, Adam West, and stuff, and you kind of grooved to that. Well, I used to saw. You know, my I used to watch it. My brother used to to watch it. You know, Batman's on again. That's right, on, on MeTV. On, on MeTV. Superman's on. Every once sure. in a while on Saturday, I'll watch an episode of Superman. But I was never in the Batman. Oh, what's wrong with you? It what, wasn't. What I the just hell wasn't. is wrong with you? My brother my brother was, but not me. I was never a Batman. You fan. know, I do I do share this story, and it's probably a complete lie, but it's a good thing to that I'd like to uh, you know put in my head, that you yeah. actually dressed up as the Lone Ranger as a kid. Yeah, that's what I tell people. I tell people you cosplayed, you dressed up as the Lone Ranger as a kid because you love the Lone Ranger. Well, that never happened. Well, I think it did. In my version, it did. <laughs> uh, nice hat, too, you have on there. Well, I, for those who, well, you can see the hat on my uh, website at RileyandKimmy.com because I took yeah. a picture of myself earlier today uh, when I was at a, uh, a certain comic book store. Yeah, I'm wearing yeah. a Superman hat. Yeah, and look, yeah, because yeah, you're on camera with me. We're doing camera to camera. I got a Superman yeah. shirt on. See, yeah, that's a, that's yeah, nice. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah I know. you know that's who you've always been like a freak about that stuff. So that's good. Now you know you used to make fun of me way back when because you know I was this kind of freak and I used to uh, you know sell collectibles and stuff like that. And you just you... oh god, I've seen the I've seen the the room. No, no, you haven't. Trust me, it's expanded way beyond that. Oh. Now I mean, way beyond that. I I just remember way back working with a, a guy by the name of Double T, and he was into toys big time. And you used to freak out because I go out uh, at work and buy things that I knew that were going to be hot, and then yeah. sell them to him for like. You know, twenty five, fifty dollars more than what I. You know, said. I that I must have missed that. I didn't know that he was into those things like you. Oh yeah, yeah. Not the sleep and snore Ernie's because you were the one who bought a sleep and snore Ernie off of me. Remember? Those? I remember the Furbies you had. Oh, I had Furbies too, and and tons of things like that. And you actually bought some of those off of me because of speculating. You know, you knew yeah. I knew they were going to be hot, and you're like, come on, you know, cut me a deal. <laughs> you had. I remember seeing the room. Yeah, but that that room is nothing compared to the way it is now. I mean, well, I, I'm sure it's not. Well, you know that room that was that room you that was probably 15 years ago or uh, yeah, well, it, was, it was in the late 90s or so. That room, to give you an idea, I have all that and more in the studio, right? That you're seeing me in right now. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's gone. Yeah, you've gone to a different level. Oh, it is. It is a it's a freak world. Now you got to come down. <laughs> yes. You got to come down and visit us here because you know we'll take you on a tour. 
You might scare me. No, I won't scare you. Come on. You, and you know what? And now Kimmy used to be kind of, you know, she used to be kind of normal. Now you've got her going along with you. Okay. Are you saying she's crazy? Uh, I didn't say that. Uh, now, come on. I mean, you, you need to come down. You thought. know, it looks like she's enjoying it, so I'm not going to she say is. she's crazy. She is. She's having a great time. And we thank yeah. you for filling in for her, by the way, while she's on assignment. Yeah. I mean, hey, well, not a problem. Not a yeah, problem. We, we appreciate Glad that. To do it. But, you know, since we have some other Rockford friends who have come down, you have an invite here. You know, the sun will always be on for you. You need to come down to Central Florida. Well, you know, maybe one of these years I'll make it down again. I'd love to take you to a convention. Uh, maybe not. No, I would. I don't. I, that would probably scare me to death. You know what? I think you could cosplay with us. You know, you could go a, a certain maybe DC or Marvel character, and I think you would just have the time of your life. So you've lost me already. I think you would. I think you all dressed up, you would have just a, a great old time. Uh, that's okay. Thanks for the offer. Well, you know, I matter of fact, I tell you what. We have a professor of cosplay on the Riley and Kimmy show. And I will you know, send him a photo of you, and I'll say, what do you think he should be? And he will actually make your costume. Uh, that's okay. You don't have to waste your time. Oh, no, it's not a waste. It'll be fun. It'll be All fun. Right. Well, we, we, you know, hey. the invitation's there, and, you know, we're, right. we're going to see you down here. You can always well, I appreciate I appreciate the invitation and the offer. Uh, just don't hold your breath on that. Well, you can always ride the dog and come down. Greyhound does come to Florida. <laughs> All right. I'll you, remember that. You'll get to see America. It'll be fun. Yeah. Well, at least it's warmer down there. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. Today was quite warm, let me tell yeah. you. So, my friend, thank you for being part of the Riley and Kimmy show. I hope you'll come back on. You will, right? Uh, yeah, I can do this again. Sure, let me know. Now, I, and here's, and we won't mention the name, but we both know some people that I would love to get on the show. So if you could kind of maybe you know twist their arm, it'd be kind of cool. You let me know who it is. Well, it's a certain person that used to work at KZ ninety three that we both know. And you would like to get them on the air? I'd with love you? to have him here. Really? Oh my God! I mean, he and I have so many stories we could share, and I mean. Uh, you well, know, we, you'd have to, you're going to have to tell me who that is because I'm not exactly sure. I'll tell you who it is right here with it, Gene Stern. Oh, yeah, well, he lo- might do this. I, I think Gene. I think Gene I'd would lo- love to do this. I'd love to have Gene on, and, and plus, I know he's into uh, collectibles and antiques and things like that too. Is he really? He, he used to go to your town. Well, he, I know he does antiques. Yeah, well, you know. So, you know, and I have a feeling there's a little bit of a nerd in him. Well, maybe you know you might be right. I'm not sure. I know he does. He does antiques. He's come here a few times to go antique shopping. So you know, ask him if he's seen Star Wars. <laughs> oh, he he probably has. He has a little boy that he's probably into Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. See, so you know, he's normal in my eyes. Well, you're, you're you know, the... I just never got into that stuff. Oh, uh, we. Got... I was, you know, I was into other stuff, but not not the Star Wars thing. Well, name name one sci-fi type thing you were into. I didn't say it was sci-fi. What were you into? I was into radio. All right, Keith, I appreciate being on the show, and I hope you come back. All right. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.